Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Grow Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that are going to allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over £50 million worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Business Growth Secrets, which I'm delighted to welcome media personality Kate Adams, who, of course, is very well known from her superb show, uh, Loose Women, which she's been doing for over 20 years, so 20 years in the media on that show, and she's done some phenomenal stuff, and I'm really, really excited, actually, tonight. Of course, Kay's featuring multiple other things, and he's a media personality. Tonight, we're going to be talking about her radio show. We're going to be talking about Loose Women. We're going to be talking about women in business. We're going to be talking about different stages of women in business. So what is that journey like? We can also talk about some of the cool experiences Kay's had across her many years in media, which is going to be absolutely awesome. So, so welcome, Kay, and thank you for uh, joining me tonight. How are we doing? Oh, hi, Adam. No, I'm really good. And listen, thanks for that great big build-up, the music and everything. I almost forgot yeah. it was a Monday night at 8 o'clock. I'd just <laughs> been out for a run and did the kids' tea, and I'm looking an absolute riot. You're very naughty not telling me that this was going to be filmed. Um, so can I apologize to everyone? I'll mention it to the PR. <laughs> so, um, thank you ever so much for, for coming on. I'm really, really looking forward to, you know, chatting tonight. And of course, as we were talking about the audience, we've got we've got business owners, uh, we've got people starting businesses that are working in, you know, in multiple different industries. And and I'm sure so many of the people on tonight are going to recognise you from the TV, going to uh, heard, you know, seen seen lots of you in the past. So tonight, I wanted to, you know, get to know what's that like. I mean, first question, if you don't mind, I'll kick off with is, you know, what's it like being on TV for 20 years, you know, uh, how have you learned to handle that and deal with that? You know, it's so- a byword for just being very old, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I live in Glasgow with my partner and my two kids. So I think I have a kind of different experience from a lot of my, my friends on Loose Women who live in London. So I have lived in London. My first job was actually in Birmingham, which I absolutely loved with central television. But For the last like 25 years, I've been based back in Glasgow. So I have, oh, there's somebody saying they're just back for a run as well. Thank you. Thank you for that. (laughs) You forgive me for looking such a sweaty wreck then. Um, Actually, I shouldn't even say a run, a stagger. My children laugh when I say it was a run. They go, don't fool yourself. How far did you go? How far did you go? Oh, I've started with a couch to 5K again. I nearly finished it before Christmas. And then I thought, right, I'm nice weather I'm, I'm going to get back to it but I, I think sort of having my life really divided between Glasgow and London gives me a very different perspective and probably quite a good perspective from my point of view business wise if we're talking business probably not so good because part of my business 
is just being places, being at book launches that you don't want to be at, being at all the sorts of events that you don't want to be at. I suppose you call it networking in any industry, don't you? Um, So I don't get as much of an opportunity for that um, as people who live in London. And, you know, there are ups and downs. I mean, I think business-wise, it's not great, but in terms of my life and just feeling probably a bit more settled in my life, maybe than people who live in London, and there's always that sort of, you know, am I being seen? Have I got enough visibility? Have I got enough profile? Which can really make people pretty edgy. I don't have that so much. So it's kind of swings and roundabouts. So it's, it's easy for me. You know, I mean, I've lived where I've lived for a long time. People are so unexcited by me, it's frightening. So, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's well, fine. There's a lot of people on tonight, Amar. <laughs> there are quite a few people really excited tonight to hear from you. But, yeah, no, it's awesome. I think that, you know, I've certainly been uh, a, a fan of the show and certainly seen it on many times. in. in You're going to tell me you watched me when you were at school, Adam. I just know it. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> Where did I go back as far as school? But, I know, you know, it's been... It's been there a long time, isn't it? The show's been going a long, long time. And what do you think the secret to that is? What do you think is the secret to that longevity almost? Well, do you know what? I I don't think there is a secret at all because what is it about? It's about conversations. It's about sharing stories. It's about sharing experiences and opinions. And, you know, that is never going to go out of fashion. You know, television formats, they can be jazzed up or, you know, you've got different effects. and But you start to see things come round again, come round again, don't you? But conversation is just not going to go out of fashion. And in terms of female conversation, we do sometimes get people, oh, it's sexist, why have you only got women? And you should, you should mix it up. And you know, everyone's entitled to the view, but I mean, to me, that kind of misunderstands really what sexism is and what the problems are. And the reality is, and I don't say this with any grudge whatsoever, is that there are very, very few forums in which women can um, share their views and conversations in a kind of female way. And maybe I'm gender stereotyping there, I don't know, but I think there's a different kind of conversation that, that women have in a group. So I think, as I say, there's no great secret. It's just people love to talk. People love to share stories and people love to be able to say, oh, God, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I've been through that as well. It was great. It was terrible, whatever. Well, I mean, we will go away as individuals and we'll get nice, new, fresh, young, loose women coming on. <laughs> if that doesn't sound too creepy. Um, <laughs> but the concept will stay around, I think. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. So having done that for a long time and doing the radio, I mean, what's doing the radio like? Because, you know, are you up at all times in the morning and kind yeah, of, yeah. you know, a lot of people say, that, you know, the radio show is is the hardest, right? Because, you know. Yeah. It's, I mean, that is working for a living. It really is. And I don't like to say this to my friends on Loose Women, but, well, we all say it, if we're absolutely honest. We're, it's not working for a living. I mean, we're so fortunate on that show. I mean, we all get on well. You know, we spend, as we get older, a good chunk of the morning in makeup um, out of necessity. So, I mean, we all see it as a real privilege. And I also see the radio as a privilege, but it's much harder work. And that's not a bad thing. My dad always said hard work never kills anyone. But, you know... <laughs> I'm up at six, which for me is early because I'm not an early bird. And just the minute you wake up, you are 
you know, I'm checking news feeds, I'm checking websites, I'm, I've got the radio on. And so by the time I get into the office, I need to hit the ground running because, you know, it's a, a large part of it is a phone in. So you have to be talking about what everyone is talking about at that time in the morning. So you have to think very quick. We've got a really good team of people, really young team. They're, they're great, actually. They really keep the energy going. And then I just talk for three hours. So by the end of it, I am just sick of myself. You know, I just want, I actually walk home on my own talking to myself going, shut up, for God's sake. I've had enough of you. <laughs> We've, got a lot of love We've got a lot of love coming in. Yeah, really, really nice. Yeah, but a lot, a lot of people said to me, you know, radio is, is an absolute difficult. It must be really, you know, so you staying on trend of what's going on in the world all the time. It's quite a good pressure with that, no? Yeah, it, it is, but... I, you know, I love it. I guess that's why I do the job that I do. And I'm sure a lot of the people that you have listening that perhaps are thinking of setting up a business or have recently set up is because they want to do what they love. And, you know, there's one conversation that I had, so it's a bit random, but it has always stuck with me. You, do you ever have sort of tiny conversations in your life? Yeah, all the yeah. Stick with yeah. you forever. And, yeah. God, this must have happened years and years and years ago. I had a problem with my back, so I went to see this guy who was going to sort my back out. And he was probably in his late 50s at that stage. I was a young thing. And so, anyway, I'm chatting to him as I do, you know, how long have you been doing this? How did you get into it? All that kind of stuff. Um, and he said... Actually, it was quite recent. He just retrained and he was really loving it. So that's good. And what did you do before? He said, I worked for the job center. I don't know what they call it now, but, you know, the job center, whatever it was at the time. And then he paused. He said, I worked for them for 30 years and I hated every single second. And it was the way he said it. I thought, wow. Wow. Yeah, because I've never been in that position in my life, and I feel so fortunate that I have. I mean, don't get me wrong; there are times that I want to throw the toys out the pram. I've had some challenges, like everybody else has, and some rejections and on. Yeah. But doing what I love to do, and I think when you're doing what you love to do, you always have to remember how fortunate you are. You know. Then. And, and it's difficult for people that don't find what they love to do. You know, if someone doesn't find what they love to do. And, you know, you know, when I was in the automotive world, I said to you previously, it's funny, actually, we had that conversation before we come on, you know, in, I didn't, I never loved cars. You know, it was uh, something that I did. And I did it for a long, long time, but I love what I do now. And it never feels yeah. like work and, you know, everything that I, you know, and I think actually it's an aspect of that. Even the guy that's working on your back, he's probably getting a sense of fulfillment out of helping people. Right. You know, oh, yeah, I, he, he was so happy, you know, yeah. he'd really found his thing, you know, and, and it, it was lovely, really lovely. And I think when people do find their thing, it comes to them, you know, it does give them a, a big sense of uh, fulfillment, absolutely, without shadow of a doubt. So we'll, we'll drop yeah. that the first business tip there, Kate, business tip number one. you got to find wow. Yeah, there we go, right. Yeah. So, wow, you're nice and easy there, didn't we? No yeah, that's good, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my daughter's in her first year at university and she, you know, she says, I don't know what I want to do, I don't know what to do, I don't know what I want to do. She's enjoying her course. And I says, you know, it's just don't sweat it. Just, you don't have to sweat it. You don't have to make these big decisions right now. You just have to sort of meet people, talk to people, learn stuff, feel your way, and it will come, you know. But that takes a lot of faith. And when you're younger, of course, you always want to hit your stride, don't you? You're in a hurry. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. 
And how, how's she taken that? Is she is she taken that on board? And she's yeah, going? well, she's got four years at uni. You know, it's not for everybody, obviously, but I think it is right for her. And I mean, I went down that path. And what was great for me was it was four years to grow up and mature, not have to make any life changing decisions. But as I say, that there's lots of ways into the world. That's just one of them, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. So I want to ask a couple of questions on on loose women. So I had a few different ones I had in my mind. But first of all, what's kind of like the funniest moment? We'll start with a funny one. What's been a funny moment for you over the years or something that's <sighs> happened that sticks with you, in your own words, that you thought, oh, that was fantastic or a great day or something that happened that you loved? Yeah, uh, this is a cop-out, Adam, but honestly, just so, so many. I mean, this year has obviously been very different because we haven't really been in the studio together. And and when we have been clearly socially distanced and masks, et cetera, et cetera. So it's been a year like no other for everyone I know. Um, But prior to that, we always used to say, I, I don't think I've ever spent a day on Loose Women where we haven't had at least one belly laugh. You know, they're yeah. just helpless with laughter. Um, it, it's, I mean, we do ridiculous things. You wouldn't think that we were kind of like supposedly grown up mature ladies, like me doing a handstand in the dressing, in the makeup room and completely collapsing. Thank God I had somebody's cycling helmet on. I mean, it's like we revert to our, our youth. And in terms of the actual show, you know, I'm actually quite a, Am I a sober person? I don't know. People have an impression of me of being quite a kind of sober person. I'm not particularly, but that's my image. Sober. 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 Not not talking to booze, you know. (laughs) Serious. Kind of serious. Serious, Serious, yeah. Okay. Which is funny enough not how I see myself, but there you go. You don't get to choose how people see you. So I think they take some kind of pleasure in getting me to do a ridiculous thing. So, I mean, I have... um, been lying half naked in, in a in a tray of green vegetables. I can't even tell you why I was doing that. Kylie Minogue decided to pose uh, naked behind a guitar when she was fifty, so they thought it would be a good idea if I did that. And you know all these kind of ridiculous things. And funnily enough, when I was younger, I probably would have said no because. You know, I was uptight, you're very self-conscious, you're worried about how people see you, but it is one of the benefits, I suppose, of, of being around for a long time. You do get to a stage that you think, oh, what the hell? You know, it doesn't really matter. Don't take yourself so seriously. But you go home and you think, what the hell was I doing? <laughs> so do you think over the years and you feel that you develop more confidence to just go out there and, and do whatever you feel like doing in the moment almost yeah yeah i think you definitely do whether you get more confidence or whether you lose the lack of confidence and i know that sounds like a very fine point but I do think when you were younger, and it's funny seeing it in my own girls, you have such a keen sense of whether you fit in, whether you don't fit in, whether other people approve of you. And I think actually for the younger generations now, that's probably even more so than it was when I was growing up. And and I think that stops you doing lots of things. But as that kind of peels away, you think, well, why not? Yeah. We spoke about that prior, and you talked about business, and and it was really interesting. In, about the the concept of fear, you know, and how fear can stop you from 
well, essentially putting yourself out there. I mean, if you're on, if you're in the media, which you, which you have been for a long time, and on TV and on radio and doing all these different things, you know, how did you feel when you first went into that? Did you have some fear, or do you remember having fear, or like when you first? Huge went? amount, a huge amount, and I can still think back now and think of particular occasions that I would be in a dressing room, you know, waiting for somebody to come and say, "Right, come on," and well, to use Glasgow vernacular, I would be shitting myself. I mean, like seriously, <laughs> seriously, thinking I can't do, I can't it's do this. Be explicit, we'll have the Just I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And you've got to do it. And I, I think probably, although it didn't feel like at the time, it is one of those careers that you are fairly regularly put in the situation that you are crapping yourself, and you either do it. Or you don't. And if you don't, you're done, you know? And I think that's probably quite good for you as, as an individual. And then in time, of course. Yeah. I think that for anyone that's a business owner, I think that if we take this to, you know, into the business aspect is that anyone being a business owner that wants to succeed now, one of the things that I frequently say is they've got to find their voice and they've got to find the ability to go and put themselves out there. And when we look at media and obviously you've been in media for a long time and we look at social media now for a business owner you know i will often say to them that that is your media channel right that is your means of communicating that is your means of building relationships uh, with people that you you can't meet in person but you can actually meet them through social media which is your media channel and a hundred percent i think that is a, a great way for a business owner to go and build but, but the issue is what you pinpointed 100% is that most people don't take the steps to go and build relationships because they suffer from fear or they don't take the steps to utilize what could be their media channel because they suffer from fear. You know, and, and some of those fears are things like, is anybody watching? Are people going to judge me? What are my friends and family going to say about me? You know, what if somebody sees this? What if I do it wrong? You know, and I imagine that you, some of those fears yeah. are familiar, right? Back in oh, the- very. Very, very, yeah, yeah. What if I look stupid? What I want to ask you then, which is which ties in perfectly, is right because it's it's totally relevant for the people who are watching right now. As, as being that a lot of the people are starting businesses or growing businesses, and they've got to go and get themselves out there. What was it that helped you to overcome that fear? Do you think? Oh, I think my mother's genes. <laughs> she was a very, very tenacious person. Sadly, no longer with me. I mean, like my mom and dad were. Um, both council house background. I mean, I'm not saying that for any big old reason, but I mean, in Scotland, you know, we have a pretty flat social structure, which I think is a healthy thing. So, you know, like my, my granny was a hospital cleaner. My, my grandpa was a miner. My other grandpa was a dock worker. You know, very good, decent, hardworking, solid people. You know, great people. And, you know, gave both my mum and dad a really good upbringing. But they weren't educated and, you know, they worked in, in manual labor and my dad was a bit of a charmer and so he left school at 13 but he had the gift of the gab and uh, met my mum who had the brains which was good um so she left nursing and the pair of them yeah (laughs) well my dad would have admitted it he would have been the first person to say it he had the charm she had the brains um and they set up a small haulage business uh, together in their their late 20s which was a huge move for them i mean i think pawned everything in the house to buy a second-hand truck and, and went from there. So I was brought up with that. You know, they were real grafters, real hard workers, and 
not that they wanted something better, because, you know, to be honest, they were never material, uh, materialistic people. They, they never had fancy stuff. It was all about security and, you know, working hard in order to make something of yourself, that silly phrase that people use. That was really important to them. So that's what I grew up with. And as I say, it was it was very much in, in my genes. So I was always going to push myself. And I, and I think my brother's the same. And I think probably my own kids will inherit it because that's every conversation that we ever had. Well, it shows you how that is three generations then, isn't it, right? You know, bit yeah. that mentality and how much it feeds into your children, you know. And yeah. how much are you, would you say you're really grateful for that? Is that something that you oh. ever you know yeah so grateful so grateful you know um you know once you do get to my age and i'm not going to tell you what it is so don't ask me i lie all the time and i'm perfectly open about it but i'm round about that age you know what i mean (laughs) i think even even my wikipedia page is a lie so if you look at it don't worry it's not the truth not the truth i'm I'm a stranger to the truth when it comes to that but you know i've been very fortunate to have a career in the media so well, I, I'm certainly not wealthy, but I'm comfortable enough, which is nice and I'm grateful for. But 100% without being cheesy, the luckiest break in my life is having the parents that I had. And I think if you have that as a starting point, then you're way ahead. And I am very aware that not everybody has that. And and I think that is a huge handicap. It doesn't sound like a great word, but I mean, I have great admiration for people who really put themselves forward and achieve when they haven't had that kind of solid family life to support them. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I, and I do too. And, and do you know what? You find that it's a real common trait for, I feel, with people that are successful is that they encourage others, you know, to be more successful. They want to see people to become yeah. successful. But sometimes you, there is a, another aspect where people that are not successful have, you know, an in, almost an instilled hatred almost for some people doing well. Have you have you received much of that, you know, over your years in, in TV and radio where you feel like you've got um, any, no bad feedback or not really? It's not been a big well, deal. Off, you know? Hey, you know, yeah, there's bitchiness. There's always bitchiness. But, you know, I, I've got to be honest enough with myself. Adam, I haven't done as well as I would have wanted to. You know, if you'd asked me in my late 20s, what was I aspiring to? And somebody had been able to look forward um, all these years and said, well, that's how far you'll get. I'd have been probably quite pissed off because I was very, very ambitious. I said, if you shoot for the moon, you hit the stars, right? Yeah, but I think also what you learn as you get older is that the ambition that you have when you're younger is very singular and it does tend to be focused particularly if you're going for a career in the media on how much money you're going to make how famous are you going to be you know are you going to be seen to succeed yeah and i guess one of the things i've learned after all these years is that's not necessarily a measure of a success or happiness or a sense of security. It takes a lot more to create those things. And I guess one of the sort of strange benefits of having the career that I've had is that I have met and spoken to many people who are, to the outside world, far more successful than I will ever be, far more wealthy than I'll ever be, but I wouldn't swap places with them. Yeah, not as happy, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, that... They're anxious, they're insecure, they worry about what people think about them, they don't sleep at night, they don't have good relationships. Um, 
you know, I think, well, no, that's not a good, that doesn't look like a good deal to me, you know? No, ab- absolutely, absolutely. I have to ask, because you brought it up, what, what, what were some of those ambitions? What, was there was there a particular ambition that you wanted to do? Was there something on the bucket list or the target list? Was there something there that you feel that didn't quite happen? Well, no, to be honest, I don't think it was particularly I want that job, but it was it was all these kind of abstract notions of I want to be the best, I want to do well, I want to be great, yeah. you know. I love I love that you just said that, and the reason I asked that is because I wanted to understand if it was specific. Um, and you just said it was abstract, right? It's, it's because when somebody has specific goals, it's very rare that they don't meet it. But when it's abstract, you're almost not allowing yourself to get there, are you? Because it, there is no, it's not real, is it? To say I want to be the best is not real, is it? You know, and I thought that's really interesting that you said. Yeah, that. What does it mean? I mean, my, my daughter who's at university will say to me, "I want to do well, mum." And I say to him, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? What does doing well look like, you know? And you only learn that as you go along. Which is your, you know, the next business tip is, is people need to be absolutely 100% clear on on where they're going. If they if they want to end up there, there's no point having woolly goals. There's no point, you know, putting things out there that are statements like, I want to be successful. Okay, well, what is success to you? You know, what does success will look like? How are you going to feel when you get there? You know, what's it going to mean to you when you get there? You know, what is it, what is it going to represent? How do you know you're going to reach that goal? You know, and that's some of the things that I, we certainly advise people is trying to understand what is it for you that is going to make you feel like you, you got to where you wanted to get to. So I think it's really interesting that you said that, you know, because yeah. otherwise people could not be, but at least you seem very grateful and very humbled and like you seem like you've loved what you, you love what you do. You said that all the time, which is awesome. But sometimes people don't. And I think the people that don't are because, they don't because they don't get to a point where they're actually happy, do they? Do you understand what I mean? Right. Like, well, I know. do, and to be honest, I think that's why there's a lot of people in the media business, entertainment uh, business, who to the rest of us look as if they're super successful, but actually, they are very unhappy and very dissatisfied because it's never enough because yeah. they don't know what it is that they're looking for. <laughs> you know, so they always need something else. They need something else, and that hunger is never sated. And so, what is it that they really want? And it's quite a lonely place to be because yeah. you're a very difficult person to be around. And so your relationships tend to suffer as a result, you know. So you can have all the houses and yachts and money in the world, but you can't go out to dinner with them, can you? <laughs> you know? You have dinner on them. If you want. And you've got a whole load of people saying to you, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're great. And then they walk away and they go, what a wanker. I mean, who needs that? Oh, any players, good. Brilliant stuff. So um, one thing that I I did want to ask about, which I saw, which is really cool, is you've got a new book called Still Hot. I do. I happen to have a copy beside me. Believe me, I didn't necessarily have it, but it just happens to be beside me. There you go, Still Hot. Ah, so show us probably then. Let's have a good look. Oh, well, that's very kind of you. There you go, Still Hot. I want to see it. I want to see the cover. The cover looks awesome. Yeah. It's a nice cover, actually, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it looks really Uh, cool co-authored with Vicky Allen. So it is, it's basically just 42 stories of the menopause, different women's experiences. And there's been a, you know, a lot about that in recent times, which is a really good thing that we've got a greater openness about it. Um, but I was interested, and I'm sorry, I've forgotten the lady's name who was saying that she had changed jobs to become uh, an oncology massage uh, therapist, Sharon. 
Thank yeah, you, yeah. Sharon. Um, apologies, the old brain's gone. You probably know what that's like. And I'm really interested in women who are that that stage of their life, sort of mid-40s and on, not necessarily because of the menopause, but, I mean, the sort of symptoms of the menopause are very wide and varied. It can cause women to feel anxious, um, lack of confidence. They can have physical symptoms that make them feel uncomfortable. And within a corporate structure, unless it's a very progressive corporate structure, it can become quite an uncomfortable place to be. And so you are seeing more women who are deciding, right, okay, I'm not going to be on this hamster wheel anymore. I want to do something else that feels better for me. And I don't know, I'd be interested to know whether that was any part of, of Sharon's kind of decision-making, which is great for these women. Yeah, I, I know that it resonates because we, having been, you know, training lots of women for many, many years, so the, the book, especially, you know, Still Hot, we've having I've had a lot of women that we've trained that have told me about this. I mean, it's just, I mentioned to you before we come on, one of our clients, Su Yen, you know, he's training people in this area on, on yoga now. Um, and it's a, a big concern for her. Another one of my clients, Debbie, I don't know if she's watching, um, has done some training and she was part of a business that was um, helping people with retreats as well. And, and, you know, it's a big subject. And I love the way that you framed it around business as well and said that, you know, a lot of people don't understand it. I mean, you've got, you said there's 42 stories in the book, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what, what is, is through the eyes of 42 women um, in the book, is that, is that, is that what's like what that process yeah. is, how that feels, right? Awesome. Yeah. How did you yeah. get the idea, can I ask? What was the driver for the idea? You did it with Vicky. Is well, I mean, uh, yeah, no, no, the, uh, Vicky, I mean, I guess we're two women of a similar age, you know, and it does tend to be a conversation that you start to have when it becomes real for you. Um, yeah. You don't have the conversation when it's not real for you, which I guess is one of the problems. So it tends to, to become isolated to the group of women directly affected. Um, yeah. And that begins to have problems, I think, for business, you know, having looked into it more now, whereas for individual women, if you decide, okay, this is a time in my life that I want to do something different. There's Sharon, they say it was Kate. Oh, there we go. That's good. Great change, retrained at 49. You know, and, and it's wonderful, you know, that at, at any stage in your life, you think, I want to go in another direction. But I think business has to look at this because if you are – going to see a number of women and the, no, the numbers are quite staggering who are going to rethink their career you're losing talent and you know you've perhaps got women who are now at the stage that they should be stepping up they've got all that experience you know they, they should be coming into their own and they should be an asset to the business but instead they're thinking you know what this just isn't a place that's a comfortable environment for me so I'm going to step out now we know that we don't have enough women in senior management we know we don't have that representation we know it's an issue I'm not saying that everything is down to the menopause I'm, I'm not trying to make it some sort of <laughs> cause or whatever but we've got to understand I mean I think most progressive businesses now know yeah. that they have to understand their people they have yeah. to know where their people are, what they're thinking, what's affecting them in their lives, because ultimately they want to get the best out of them. And you're not going to get the best out of people unless you kind of meet them where they are. So I, I think it's interesting to consider how business will deal with this, because to say, all right, we'll have a menopause group and all you women with a few hairs coming out of your chin can go and sit over there and, and discuss it. That's not actually good enough because... I mean, there's very good research that say that, you know, 80% of women who are affected by the menopause at work 
wouldn't speak to their sort of line manager if A, they were a lot younger or if it was a guy or they just kind of felt they're not going to understand. I think so, me as a business owner, because, you know, as a man, I don't understand what it's like. You know, obviously, I'm never going to understand what that's like. Yeah, right? sure. So, so it's kind of like, and, and you're totally right, if you want to get a good performance out of your people, you need to understand your people. You know, it's yeah. a massive, massive part of business, you know, and understanding that, and sometimes you don't, right? Sometimes you don't, sometimes you don't see it. If someone doesn't tell you that, you don't know. You, you wouldn't know. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I had, you know, specifically, I've had um, a, a lady work for me for 13 years. He's very, very talented. I don't think this is the issue. Um, but if it was the issue, like she wouldn't tell me. Do you understand what I mean? I think that that you know, you know, was um, was a you know is is a big thing. So under, I really value understanding. And, and for me, the mindset of the people that work for you is very, very important. Yeah, because I mean, if if I mean we're going to hypotheticals now, but say for instance her parents were very ill and she was having to support her parents. Yeah. And that was really draining her reserves, as, as it does. It's a, it's a very stressful situation yeah. that lots of people find themselves in. You'd want her to be able to come and tell you about that, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. And you would want to be able to sort of build in a situation that accommodated that. Or, you know, if she was struggling with her mental health yeah. for whatever reasons, or physical health for yeah. whatever reasons, yeah. you would want to be the employer who was able to take that on board and if you could make accommodations. So I, I think menopause should absolutely be on the agenda to be considered in the in the same way. I mean, one of the people, and I'm not going to, sorry, I'm not trying to take over with the book. This is the thing. The way I am is like I'm a lifelong learner. I love learning. I love learning about different things. And there will be a lot of people that are out there that want to kind of learn about different things. Yeah. And if this, say that if I was a woman <laughs> and this was coming up for me, I would want to know what is yeah. this like. Do you understand? Exactly. Oh, 100%. And, and if they, if somebody can know what it's like, it helps you to control or manage the situation better, doesn't it? So I can yeah. actually 100% see how a lot of people can can, can see the value in in doing that. And I, and I actually really like books that are told in story form, you know, yeah. especially especially true stories. Are there some really good ones in there? Is there like, is it kind of lighthearted? Is it funny? Or is oh it, God, is yeah. It really yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, the, there's lots of poor husbands who have no idea what's happening and they're kind of an inch away from oh, the bread the bread knife and they never knew it. You know, there's a bit of that, it has to be said, a bit of the rage. But uh, there's real honesty in it, which I really, you know, respect the women who've contributed for. Because, you know, a lot of them have got kind of big jobs. We've got um, Baroness Saida Warsi in there, who's a member of the House of Lords. So she's a oh. senior conservative. She was on Stand Up to Cancer, actually, this week. She did a brilliant job doing stand-up comedy. And... You know, for someone like that, who's very aware of her position, she said she could remember an occasion she stood up in the House of Lords to give this blistering speech. You know, this was her moment. And her brain just froze. She just could. And a lot of women in the city will remember that or recall that situation of just brain fog, freeze or whatever you call it. I mean, my God. Let's know in the comments, you know, if anyone's ever been through that, you know. Yeah, Yeah. you're thinking, Jesus, the world is watching me. You're looking around. This is not a very forgiving environment. And you have forgotten what you're going to say. Another woman who's a head teacher of a kind of high-performing school, 
And, you know, parents are coming in talking about their kids. And she said, I just went through a stage. I'm looking at them smiling, thinking, I don't know who your kid is. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're doing here. Really? <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know what? I'm still a very capable woman. It's not as if all of her faculties absolutely desert her. But you have these kind of moments. But, of course, because you're embarrassed by that or you don't really want to be open about it or there's it can be seen as a sign of weakness as somebody is watching yeah, and saying yeah, you try right. and cover it up whereas if you didn't need to cover it up if people were more aware of what was happening yeah. and they go oh yeah yeah i get you yeah don't worry about it then it wouldn't be an issue would it there'd be less pressure yeah 100%. yeah yeah uh, it'd be a lot less pressure no awesome yeah. so you know you certainly get i don't suppose you have a link do you Kay? where's the best place to go and get your book like, is there a lot of people um, that well, Amazon, I have to say, or Waterstones. Amazon, Amazon wins everything at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah. Amazon or Waterstones. Yeah. So Amazon, if you want it tomorrow, right? You want it to <laughs> tomorrow. Waterstones, if you want it in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Waterstones, if you don't like Jeff Bezos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's true, isn't it? It's a few people. Now, something that I really found really interesting uh, is you mentioned to me that you are going on the circle. Now, um, you know, we are allowed to say that, aren't we, right? Because it's filmed. Yeah, yeah, no, it's Because we were talking about it before. I thought, oh, my God, right? I was just like, you know, which is uh, really interesting. Now I watched the American version of The Circle um, right. a few months back. And I really, I must admit, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was really, really good. It was really interesting because it's almost like a lockdown situation, isn't it, where people kind of... Yeah, totally. Uh, and stuff like that so you know what's it been what was it like do you want to do you want to um, well i mean it, it's it's a it's a special kind of week that channel 4 did um as part of their stand up to cancer campaign and uh, we know over the last uh, year in particular i mean they've been running stand up to cancer for a long time but because of all the resources that have been thrown at uh, the, the pandemic for a very good reason you know lots of these other chronic conditions like cancer have perhaps not got the attention that they would normally have. So it, it was really good to be able to be involved in it from that point of view. So that's it. That's why they're doing it for a week. Um, so there's a whole bunch of us. Some of us are catfishing. So we're pretending to be somebody else and other people are trying to convince everyone that they really are who they are. So um, I went in with uh, my friend and fellow loose woman, Nadia Sawala. We've known each other for a very long time. And together we were trying to convince everybody that we were... Gemma Collins. Are you allowed, like, to, you are allowed to say that? No, I'm not allowed to tell you that. I'm allowed to tell you that. It's all right. Don't worry. Don't worry. Say that they're going to know now. That they oh, believe me. I've been well drilled in what I can say and what I can't say. So it starts a week tomorrow night, the night. Oh, wait. Does Gemma know? Um, Gemma knows, yeah, she had to give her approval from the beginning uh, to allow us to, to try and be oh, her. Love it. Yeah, she was really generous with that. She was very relaxed about it. Yeah. So it's a real cat and mouse game. But my God, I was one of those people before that would watch reality television like the jungle or whatever, I loved it. And I used to say, oh, for God's sake, they know the camera's there. Jesus, what's wrong with them, these stupid people? <laughs> now having done it, I am like, oh, my God, I forgot the cameras were there. I completely forgot my sort of professional face. I was ranting and raving, Nadia, and I was shouting at each other. Oh, oh Jesus. Brilliant. It's, it's a fun of fun. 
it's potentially career ending. Adam, this might be the last interview that I ever do. Ah, oh, that's good. It's good for me, not for you. That <laughs> 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 nah, when joking. Yeah, so that was. Uh, oh, that'd be awesome. I said to you before that I'm really good fr- friendly with Jen. I've known her for a long yeah. time. I worked with her um, many years ago and still friends to this day. So I think that would be really, uh, really, really fun. Oh, fun. I mean, Nadia. To play because she's a character, right? So oh, yes, she is. Yeah, so what a great person to go on there and to actually play. I think it's going to be uh, phenomenal, right? I'm definitely going to stream into that. Yeah, you know? Nadia was convincing me that she was um... – she was like doing her method acting thing. She was channeling Gemma. She was, well, she said she was speaking like Gemma. Once we see it on television, I think we'll see it was something completely different. But I mean, she went full Bob De Niro on the whole experience. So um, she even got herself a caftan. This is a bizarre reason. Yeah, yeah. She really went for it. Oh, I just looked on the amusement. Oh, no, that'd be really, really fun. I'm absolutely certain that'd be brilliant. So that'd be awesome. The other sort of thing we spoke about previously before we jumped on was we spoke about your friend's makeup business and traveling to China. You were saying, yeah. So you traveled over China. You were saying that how much you saw the industry. And you actually said wow. a couple of things to me that I thought was really interesting just how driven people were on sales over there, which was really interesting. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've always wanted to go to, to well, actually Japan. I always wanted to go to Japan um, yeah. and China and Hong Kong. I don't know. You know, one of these fascinations, you know, that you have. Um, I, was so, and I was stunned at Hong Kong. Oh. Did you go? Have you been to Hong Kong? Yeah, well, yeah. we did. We went twice. And actually, we were there um, 2019 when the, the riots were in full wow. um, swing. And... And that was actually really sad because we'd been the year before and I fell in love with Hong Kong. I, I really I got such a great energy from it. And um, so the second year we went, the riots were in full swing. And, you know, we got caught up in them. We had to run from the tear gas. We had the, the full experience. But, you know, to see essentially young students in shorts and T-shirts and plimsolls running away from the most heavily tooled up police you've seen in a long time was really quite alarming. But anyway, that's a, a, a sidebar. But the sense of entrepreneurship there is incredible. Anyway, so so Donna, who is the head makeup artist on, on Loose Women, she's very entrepreneurial, young woman in her sort of early 40s. So she set up um, a makeup accessories brand called Donna May London. Um, she's got a great makeup bag which is a really unusual design so she's doing really good and so she said i'm going to go to china i'm going to meet my suppliers and i'm just going to get some ideas from there do you want to come and you know i was like don't be ridiculous what am i going to do why am i going to come to china just to sort of carry your bags or whatever and she says yeah come and carry my bags and i said all right then Actually, it wasn't long after my mum had died, you know, and sometimes when you've had those kind of experiences, you just don't know where the hell you are. And I just, on a complete impulse, I said, okay, I'll come. I I love Donna. I've got such admiration for her. She's a real go-getter. And so I I did go, and I was the PA. She said I was the worst PA she's ever come across in her life, and she'd have sacked me. She had to pay me. Um, But we went around all these factories in China. We met lots of mainly young women who were so sharp and on it. And it really kind of made you think about like Western culture, we tend to look to American culture. And I'm not going to get into the politics of it because I know when we look at the politics of China, there's things that we really do not admire. 
But it really made you think these are kind of first generation educated entrepreneurs and the hunger that they have in them and their capacity for work and putting in the hours is just incredible. They really, you can see this, this real keenness in them to succeed which is really, really impressive, you know, and even though they've got like a first job, they'll also be selling something on the side, they're on WeChat, they're on different platforms. And they're just, they're just so full of energy, so full of energy, so full of dynamism. It was a wonderful experience. It really was. And to go back the next year and see more, but unfortunately, in Hong Kong, we were right in the middle of the riots. And that's the flip side of it. When you see democracy being utterly squashed by the Chinese government, then you think, ah, oh, this yeah. isn't you know, all that I thought it was. But yeah, wonderful experience. I, I'd love to go back if we ever get to fly in the sky again. I don't know if that'll happen. Yeah, I, know, I know, it's crazy, isn't it? How have you been in this, uh, for you, the, the lockdown? Has it been all right for you? How, how have you felt about it all? Well, you know, I, I mean, I've worked all the way through it, so I'm really grateful for that. Um, I'm very, very aware of people who, who have just had their livelihoods taken away from them, people who've had their lives taken away from them. So you have to have a real sense of gratitude for where you have, where yeah. you are. But I've hated it. I mean, I, I wouldn't make any secret of it. I mean, I'd love to say I was one of those people who settled into baking bread and knitting, but... <laughs> I'm not one of them either, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. I, I like traveling. I like socializing. I might like people. I like being busy. I'm not somebody who likes sitting in the house that much. So, no, I haven't found it particularly easy, mm. but I'm still grateful. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Because there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of it has affected a lot of people in a, in yeah. a big, you know, that shadow of that. We've got a question that's come in from Balia saying, if you want to uh, pursue a career in radio broadcasting, what would be your advice? A really good question there, Balia. I think the advice that I would give now is very different from the path that I took because broadcasting was so closed. The wonderful thing now, Valia, is that you can go and do your own stuff. Um, and what any radio broadcaster, I mean, if you're going to go to one of the recognized broadcasters, if you like, what they're going to want is evidence of your work. And you can set up a podcast, you can start to do interviews with people, you can create your own body of, of work. You don't even need to be on a, I'm trying to think what you call a recognized broadcaster. I mean, obviously I do stuff for the, the BBC, but I mean, digital radio is absolutely huge. And yeah. now you've got this kind of synergy between... Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, it's about content now. That's what I would say to people. So whether you're producing video content or just audio content, you have the means to publish it and get it out there to, to the world. So the best advice is start doing it, Valia. You know, just start doing it. Think about what is interesting to you, what you want to talk about, who you want to talk to, and start producing stuff. Because until now you've got a bit of a body of work, then you're not going to be able to make introductions to people. Say, well, why don't you listen to this? You know, I'm interested in doing X, Y, and Z, and I've already done this. Will you have a listen? That's your first step. So you've I got to jump in the game. Love the answer. The answer is phenomenal because I think the game probably has changed quite a bit. Hugely. You know, if 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 like you say, if you've got a fantastic podcast. 
you can go and get fantastic guests. If you don't have a fantastic podcast, you can't get fantastic yeah. guests, you know. And if you did want to get on radio, then, you know, if you can go and demonstrate that you're a fantastic presenter or you can demonstrate that you're a great interviewer, then people are going to take you seriously. But if you don't are not able to demonstrate that, then there are plenty of other people that will. So yeah. if you don't go out there and start making it happen yourself, then, you know, I love I love the answer. I think that's absolutely spot on. It's not what I expected you to say, you know, I've always, but I think it's absolutely spot on, isn't it? Awesome, awesome answer there. So brilliant. We've got already another great question here. This one's from Sunel, um, who actually, the question that I was going to ask you earlier that I discussed, who's the most interesting person that you interviewed and why? Oh, God. You know, I, I do get asked this question a lot, and I think I always disappoint people a little bit with the answer because yeah. – I have been fortunate enough to uh, to interview some very famous people. I, when I was like 24, I got an hour long interview with Margaret Thatcher at Downing Street while she was uh, prime minister. So, I mean, I guess if you're looking for headline names, that's going to be mine in my career. But hand on heart, um, the most interesting people that I've interviewed are probably people that you have never heard of. They are people who have found themselves in extraordinary circumstances and have responded in extraordinary ways. And to a certain extent, you know, people who become famous, you know, in the entertainment world, it's not that they don't have talent. Of course, they have talent, but, you know, they're the lucky people. The interviews that I walk away from and go, wow, I mean, I'll give you just one example. Well, yeah, no, well, one example. A woman who has now set up a, up a charity. She was a businesswoman. She was working in the haulage um, industry, as it happens. Um, she had a cough, developed into pneumonia, developed into sepsis. She literally woke up in hospital, and her legs beneath the knee and her hands had been amputated. Wow. That She woke from a coma to find out that she was a quadruple amputee. Oh, my God. And her response to this has been incredible she had to fight for her life for many many months obviously learned to walk with prosthetics she's actually the first woman i think to have two hand grafts so she now has two grafted hands she has set up a charity she is still the dynamic person that she was before but she's putting her energies in a different direction and you know she is making a difference in the world absolutely making a difference in the world now that's interesting to me. <laughs> you know, where does an individual find that strength of character and, and that drive to come back from that kind of adversity? Now, people might not know her name. Her name's Corinne Hutton, as it happens. But those are the people that I interview that I walk away and I think, my God. Yeah. That, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, brilliant. I do have to ask you, what was Margaret Thatcher like? I like Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? She was not at all the way I expected. I mean, I was not long out of university, bit of a lefty, um, coming from Glasgow, oh, really? of course. You, was you? Right, interesting. Yeah, so right. I was a bit kind of, I'm going to sort you out, Mrs. <laughs> yeah, how wrong was I? Um, and so I thought that she would be quite sort of combative. And she wasn't. She was like my favorite auntie. She, I remember walking up Downing Street, which you could in those days. There was no barriers or anything. And I knocked on the door. The policeman stood aside. And, and it was like going to see if your pal was coming out to play. You know, it was Margaret in. Um, and she actually answered the door and ushered me inside 10 Downing Street. She wiped down my collar because it had some fluff on it. And she sort of babied me, really, which... 
caught me completely unawares. And it was only on reflection I realized that it was absolute genius on her part because yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was in there, you know, kind of ready yeah. to sort of square up to her and yeah. show her a thing or two. But she completely took the fire out of me because she was friendly, she was pleasant, she offered to show me round. Uh, you know, obviously she was a lot older than me, so she didn't patronise me, to be fair. But it was very obvious very quickly that she was the top dog and I was a young whippersnapper who'd come to play. And I never got out of that, you know. And <laughs> she completely Brilliant. bossed the interview really? without without being bossy. Nice. Which... It's quite a, a trick. So, yeah, I look back with some respect, I have to say. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's brilliant. Love that. I love, love both the answers. Really, really good. Uh, we've got Anita saying, I'm always grateful. I love listening to you. Oh, well, a couple you. of last questions before we wrap up. So we've got uh, Reem that said, do you prefer to set up a company or your own, uh, to set up in the company or your own business? So do you prefer being a part of something, being part of a company, Kay, or do you prefer to be in your own business would you say oh that, that's a tricky one i mean in the media business you're, you're freelance i am freelance um so i suppose i am a bit of a gun for hire um, i don't particularly fancy being in a position where i'm employing people i'm responsible for people i'm as responsible for other people's lives having said that i don't like being part of a corporate structure i'm not i am a respecter of authority but I am a bit of an Evie Scott. I don't like being told what to do too much. So I'm not really a company person. I see that's an interesting question. We often get asked, don't we, what's your experience of women in management roles? Perception needs to be tougher to match males in similar roles. Yeah, I think I've certainly seen quite a bit of that in my career. But I absolutely think it is getting better. I think as women are better represented in the workplace and have more confidence in their own skills and a different way of doing things, um, then that kind of situation that you're talking about, Hannah, is, is kind of faded away. I mean, funny enough, talking about Margaret Thatcher there, um, she was always referred to as the best man in the cabinet. And it was a standing joke, spitting image at the time, always sort of dressed her up in a pinstripe suit. And that she was actually the biggest alpha male in the cabinet, despite the fact that she was a woman. I, I do think that is changing. And I would say, actually, my best boss ever was was a woman. And she did it her own way. She didn't try and be macho about it. She was absolutely true to herself. And uh, she was a brilliant boss. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, I, you know, I'll say East Changer. I've got a really, uh, funnily enough, I had one of uh, my clients and a friend and actually someone that's done coaching for us and our clients. And I, I won't say who it is because certain people are watching, but she said to me the other day, she went into a company, right? and she goes into this company and if you can imagine this is a big company it's got hundreds of staff and she's asked to go in and do performance reviews and to help them increase their performance so she's worked with the board of directors and one of the board of directors is an operations director well known within the company for being an ass, right and well known for not wanting to kind of help people. And I thought she told me this story the other day and I thought it was genius what she did so the guy bursts into the meeting with her and he goes, right, we've started two minutes behind. First of all, I want to know why we started two minutes behind. And secondly, I don't even know what I'm doing here, right? As if you're going to come and coach me on my performance, I'm already the top performer executive in the company. And she said, okay, so um, 
one or two things then, whatever his name was, she said one or two things. You're either a complete asshole, or you've come into this meeting trying to make me feel inferior. So which one is it? Wow. <laughs> and the guy just turned around and said to her, oh, oh, sorry, I didn't mean didn't mean to come across as an arsehole. And she said, okay, that's okay. Don't worry, I don't hold grudges. But what I'd like to know is, you know, what was your intention? How did you want me to feel when you came into the meeting in that way? And oh, guy, wow, <laughs> round of applause, round of applause. And the guy's absolutely melted. And after it, he's come out and apparently he's recommended her to everyone in the place as the person, but absolutely bossed the situation. But not by being alpha, but just by being smart. Yeah, absolutely. And then being very authentic. Yeah. You know, she, she didn't engage in whatever game he was trying to play. She just she just called him out on it. Um, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Like I've worked with her for a number of years. She's, she's smart, smart as hell. Uh, yeah. She's watching, so she'll know. Right. Um, well so done. Got, yeah, look at the last questions before we uh, wrap up. We'll make them nice, quick, sharp answers, but we've got Charlotte that's saying, what's the best of this advice you could give someone trying to start their, trying to grow their own business? Oh, God. I think it's probably going back to what we've already discussed, Adam, is, is really try and focus on what is it that you want to get out of this and what is success going to look like to you and and try and give yourself some specific not necessarily goals because you can give yourself goals and and they can change and you can decide to go in, in a different direction but i think you have to give yourself specifics rather than abstracts um it's like climbing a you know those climbing walls that you get indoors i think you do have to see where your next foothold is or your next handhold i don't know if you'd agree adam yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah, love it. Lovely example. Yeah, trying to, you know, chart your part, actually look at obviously what the end goal is, but yeah. kind of the side goal might be over here, then over here, then over here. And a lot yeah. of the time, it really is like that in business. Yeah. A lot of the time, you are having to manage situations. But this is really interesting. I had this uh, an interview with, um, I'm just trying to, it was uh, the uh, chap that runs uh, Ellis, Ellis Kitchen, right? Oh, yeah. About North Star. Yeah, Ellis Kitchen, good brand, right? And, and we were talking about having that North Star. So that North Star is, look, this is where I want to get to, and that's going to guide your overall decisions, right? But occasionally you're going to have to make those little moves across the way and go from side to side and do some things that you don't necessarily want to do in order to chart your path, absolutely. So, yeah, I love that answer. I love the, I love the analogy. Really good. Awesome. Yeah, so we had a ton of good feedback tonight. It's been really, really awesome to have you. I've really enjoyed it. And I've enjoyed to, it too, Adam. Thank you. Really, really easy to talk to. Really easy to have a chat. I felt like we were just sitting there having a you know a lovely chat, which was really nice. Chin so, wag. No, no, so. it's good. Really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Thanks very much for inviting me. I've enjoyed it. Hello. I've loved it. Make sure you go and pick up a copy of uh, Kay's book. Still okay. hot. Let's throw it out there one last time. Still hot. <laughs> go, and, go, and, uh, go and pick the book up. 42 stories on yeah. you know, 42 women's stories on, on, yeah. on that journey, um, which sounds really, really interesting. All got some great names in there. Julie Graham, Tracy Cox, Denise Welsh, my pal Denise Welsh, Louise Minchin, uh, Trini Woodall. Got a really good lineup in there. Oh, in my glamorous life now, Adam, I've got to go and wash up the dishes because I left them to come. No That's how good it gets, eh? Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Kay. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Adam here. 
and I hope you loved today's episode. Hope you thought it was fabulous. And if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favor. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets. And if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is perhaps. Every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive Academy days and have lunch with me on the day, meeting hundreds of my clients. So if you want that to be you, then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on iTunes. Please, of course, do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes. Peace and love, and I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.